Park one at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're back to discuss Minute 97 of the Lost World. David, the toys are still coming. How's your hunting been going? Oh, uh, good, good. I finally got, I think, my last thing. And unless I can find a uh, super colossal Rex for MSRP, which is, I have not had any luck doing for a while now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got the Carnotaurus in for Mattel. Uh, over the week, and it's actually a lot of fun. It's it's smaller than the Indoraptor, but larger than the um, Baryonyx or Allosaurus. Oh, yeah, yep. It's actually a lot of fun. It's pretty well detailed. It's pretty well sculpted. It's a great figure, I think. It's got this little button right at the top of the hips. You press down, and the uh, jaws, and the head lunges forward, and the jaws snap. Yeah, one like the other Rorosaurs, the, um, it's got the neck action as well, so it's sort of Adds that little bit more playability to it. Mm-hmm. Has it got the the articulated arms on it? Have you got the baryonyx? Yes, What's that? Have you got the baryonyx yet? I do, yes. On it, how it's got the rotating arms, I thought it's really interesting how sort of it just adds that articulation to the figure. Because um, mm-hmm. I picked that up on the weekend and um, got it here in my hand. And one thing I love with it too is the ability to move the legs in and out and give it posability that way. Um, mm-hmm. where most of the figures you can just move the legs forwards and backwards. The legs uh, do move side, uh, front and back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the Carnotaurus, the legs do move front and back uh, and kind of a little bit side to side. They wiggle a little bit. Yeah. The arms only move front and forward. Okay. I keep them mostly in the backward position because that's how it was on the actual animal. Yeah. I mean, the arms were... He's very much essentially useless on the real-life Carnotaurus, so it's kind of fun just tucking the arms into the side on the toy <laughs> and leaving it to uh, leaving it to use its giant hatchet-shaped face to just lunge and... <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I've had no luck here with the Super Colossal T-Rex either, or the Mosasaur. The Baryonyx was only the new figure that I found at my local Target that was out. All the other stuff was still there, the Fresh and Fry, and that was still there. So mm-hmm. um, I might go and check out some other stores next weekend and see what their stock looked like. But uh, one thing I was interested to find when I was there was the uh, the Jurassic Park Velociraptor Chase Lego set. That we've, uh, oh, did you? Mm, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And unlike the mm-hmm. Fallen Kingdom Lego sets that I only brought a couple of, uh, this for the price I think it's a lot better there's a few the box feels a lot heavier um, with just the pieces in it but getting out and uh, putting it together um, it was a fun little build I've got a um, time lapse video I'm going to I'll throw up on the YouTube channel and on Facebook for our listeners to see but I just I thought this set would be one of those sets that probably wouldn't even get out here um, it'd be in America or Walmart or wherever else and be very hard to get I've been watching it on eBay and the price on eBay hasn't been too much more than what it was at retail here, so... Um, oh, good, good. And uh, we sort of talked about just how it's sort of squashing a lot of a lot of stuff into one small set, but some of the Easter eggs in here, like uh, the computer terminals that Lex is working on, um, you've got the Lego version of Nedry doing the uh-uh-uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and with that as well, you've got a really detailed and pretty accurate-looking floor plan of the visitor centre as well for when the... Uh, yeah. System when the security systems get reactivated, so 
Yeah, I saw that. That looked really, it actually looked really good. I was surprised about the level of detail yeah. on that sticker. Yeah. Plus, there's a nice um, map of Isla Nublar on the wall as well, which um, sort of looks like one of the earlier promotional maps in color anyway and shape. But, mm. um, my only my only gripe with the set, they've got uh, a lot of, um, I wouldn't say useless parts, but a lot of common parts from a lot of other sets that they've thrown in, like your telephone handle, your crowbar, umbrella, spanner, mm. um, hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs litter these sets everywhere, but... Uh, the gun that Grant's got to uh, help him try and get that door closed is just one of their standard guns that uh, shoot off the little single buttons. Mm. And I would have just loved for him to just do a one-off mould of the Spaz-12 or something that looks like it Yeah. to uh, to have in the set. But that's a that's a very minor nitpick and only something that a collector would <laughs> or a fan of the film would bring up. But it's just a great fun set and... Um, now I'm glad I've built it, and I, I really do hope that we get more coming from that, that sort of side of things with Lego. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else you're hunting for, now that you haven't got yet? Uh, no. No, it was just the Carnotaurus and the Super Colossal. Yeah. I've gotten everything that I pretty much wanted to get, which is great, because I've got most of it in stores, and you really couldn't do that with Hasbro. Hmm. You know? I mean... They're just I just remember Hasbro distribution just being so terrible. I'd go I'd go from place to place to place and I'd pick up something here or something there, but most of the time I had to actually order it online because it was just such terrible distribution you couldn't find anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well that's like the uh the Indominus Rex and the the Stomp Stomp and Chomp or whatever it was, Tyrannosaur were the only two main ones that um, hung around long enough here, and then I uh, got the uh, the Target-exclusive Raptor, Raptor Pack 4-pack. Um, mm. They're the only ones I was really interested in. The Mosasaur never got here. And the other one, just for a curiosity piece, was uh, Stegoceratops, which went on clearance and I got for 5 bucks. So <laughs> that was the only reason I really brought that. But, yeah, there was no real um, passion to collect anything from that line anyway. Yeah, true. Except for the Lego stuff, the Lego I think it was the Lego was the only thing I went all in on. Even the Dilophosaur chase or Dilophosaur feeding set that come with the Jeep, I brought three of those just so I could have three of those Jeeps. Yeah, I bought everything Lego except for just the um, except for the Pteranodon chase and the Indominus Rex breakout. Mm, yep. For that line, which interestingly. Nothing uh, Fallen Kingdom really interests me, uh, Lego-wise. No, I'll just I'm looking down at the Indominus Breakout now, and just looking at that, um, what's involved, just sort of the layout of the fences and the pen and the, the helicopter and control tower. Just there's a lot more playability there than what I see in that mansion. Just for comparing the the sets of the price the same, like that big set. Um, yeah, true. Even the little crane, like. The crane, all that was in the uh, the Indominus Breakout movie as well, so you can sort of mm. reenact that and feed the Indominus hot dogs or <laughs> anything like that. But but at least they sort of that set in the Raptor Breakout, you sort of get the a different version of the Jurassic Gates on the pen, which which was one main reason to get them. But yeah, even the blue, even the blue chase or whatever it is now after Unimog, like the one that come with the original Raptor Raptor set was so much better. Mm-hmm. It's bigger, it looks more like a Unimog, there's not as many prefabricated parts in it. 
But anyway, I'll wait until it goes on clearance. I'll get some <laughs> later <laughs> on. What's the matter? He didn't make it. RJ. I'm sorry. Ready? I am. So, do you want to get into 97? Sure. As we are on minute 96 of Lost World, Roland told Ludlow that RJ hadn't made it, and Ludlow apologised. As we open on minute 97, Ludlow's apology didn't seem to go over as well with Roland as he'd hoped. As he gets to his feet and starts to walk away, Ludlow replies, Truly, I am, and follows. At 96 minutes and 10 seconds, Ludlow tells Roland that he remembers the people that helped him, and that there's a job offer at the park if he wants it. Roland replies, no thank you. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. He puts his hat on and starts walking towards the helicopter. At 96 minutes and 30 seconds, we cut back up to the rescue helicopter as Sarah looks out the window and says, oh my god. She opens the side door to the helicopter, allowing Nick and Ian to look down at the site below them. At 96 minutes and 44 seconds, we get a shot down from the air that the Tyrannosaurus in its restraint as workers scurry around, finishing off the framework before the animal can be airlifted out. And as we end the minute, we see Ian looking down intensely at the site below them, knowing that they've lost, and that the Tyrannosaurs going to the mainland. As we ended 96, Roland had told Ludlow that uh, RJ hadn't made it, and uh, Ludlow was apologising. Now... From um, the scripts, that, or one script we know that Ludlow, uh, Roland was up on that ridge and seen it happen, but in the film here, whether someone had told him another hunter that had survived had returned, because I don't know if he's left this creek since bringing the wrecks down. It's possibly he hasn't, because I mean, I don't see a reason why he would have, and he's basically been sitting in the same spot since the um, attack. Yeah. So, I mean, he's basically been sitting there watching Ludlow slowly uh, take his dreams from him, in a way. <laughs> his dreams, his friendships, his everything. I mean, you can really see why he's so down, you know? Yeah. I wonder, too, if that sort of... He was there He was there to hunt the greatest predator that ever lived. Um, and it sort of this seems like a cheat a cheap way like yes he still brought the animal down but it wasn't it wasn't a clean kill and it wasn't really a trophy you could take home either no Ludlow's taking it away from him too yeah 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 because every time we've cut back to this creek bed he's been sitting sitting there holding first a tranquilizer rifle now sort of sitting there with his case which I, I brought up the end of last minute how he had that case and it hadn't been seen since earlier when he assembled his gun um, I've gone back to that earlier scene, and you can't clearly see the case. You can only see it opened with the barrel still in in there on the mm-hmm. foam. So it could be a different case. There's no. Um... It's possible, but when you search this rifle um, on Google Images, this is that's the case you get. Okay. You actually see the case. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that <laughs> that just asks more questions. <laughs> Where'd it come from? How'd you get it back? Um, we went all mm-hmm. that, over that last minute, but um, true. Yeah, but he uh, he stands up and starts to walk around the front of the sleeping Tyrannosaur, and uh, Ludlow sees it and sort of it looks like Roland's ignoring him and just wa- um, walking off, which he probably pretty much is. And um, he sort of comes back and no, really, I am, I am sorry. And uh, I just love in the background here you can see the Rex sleeping, breathing. Um, it's mm-hmm. sort of 
you got to catch the sound of it breathing, but um, it's not as laboured and and that is uh, or distressed as what's in the script that we'll get to in a little bit. It's there sleeping sleeping perfectly. It's not uh, it's not dying. <laughs> like no, it does in not the yet. Anyway. Mm. Well, that's how it was in the script too. It, it kind of wasn't breathing very laboredly. He was just breathing heavily in the script, and then it stopped breathing. Yeah, yep. It's just when Ludlow panicked. Yep. And that's it, sort of weird, because what we get in the script here in a minute is um, we get a line brought back to it later at the dock, but but it's just a great scene, just that animatronic sitting there and the, the framework around it. I wouldn't call it a cage or a enclosure, restraints. It's just sort of something built around it. Yeah, something just to make sure it doesn't get up, you know? Yeah, yep. But uh, the two men start to walk off away from the wrecks, um, past one of those light stands, or the generator towers, towards a helicopter that's parked further up the creek. Mm-hmm. Spotlights illuminating the whole area. And Ludlow says to Roland that uh, I remember the people that helped me, Roland. as a job at the park in San Diego if you want it. And uh, Ludlow pretty mu- uh, Roland pretty much slaps that down and says, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just slap it down. He verbally bitch slaps Ludlow and his entire thing. Yeah. And it's, some, it's a response that Ludlow probably wasn't expecting because he just stops dead in his tracks and as, um, Roland takes a couple of steps forward and just turns to face him and just mm-hmm. we get that line, I believe I spent enough time in the company of death, which, yeah, just nails it home to Ludlow. And he uh, just stands there with his mouth open. Yeah, I, I love how Roland uh, says the line and he turns around, puts his hat on, and is like, peace. <laughs> It's like, it's like an ultimate screw, well, you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we had that, that great monologue with when he first arrived on screen and now sort of departing on this mm-hmm. a lot shorter uh, goodbye. And it just sort of bookends the character quite nicely. Yeah, it does. But, uh, yeah, because we get... Uh, Ludlow just looks a long time as uh, Roland departs. He puts his hat on, turns and walks back, walks towards the choppers again leaving Ludlow there with his uh, with his cash cow, but that's uh, that's the end. As Roland walks off towards the helicopter, that's the end of Roland in the film. I uh, posted up in, on Facebook um, asking listeners and fans if they thought it was uh, a good send-off, if they would have liked to see him, or if there was a place for him to return um, in San Diego. But yeah. I, as we just said, this sort of bookends the character quite nicely. Because I don't... I don't think he would have served much purpose in San Diego anyway. No, really, no, um, honestly. But uh, great, great character, and uh, even now, I don't know if it's a character you could see return to the franchise. Oh, he's dead. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, not character. Oh, oh. He <laughs> with is dead, unfortunately. Ah, uh, yes, I. Uh, oops. <laughs> um, but but even even in a Jurassic World, I don't I don't know how that character could return. Um, obviously. The act of being alive aside, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's good. It's all fair and well to say, hey, let's have a cameo here, but you need you need a reason for these actors to come yeah. back, or the characters to come back. Because um, I think Nick's another another good one. I'd love to see return as well, but we'll get to him in the next minute. Yeah. But uh, I love you too. While Roland's walking off towards the chopper, you can sort of hear the other choppers flying around. And um, yeah, all the ferns and trees are rustling now. Mm-hmm. Whether that's implying there's still one hovering above or flying above somewhere, um, or if it's just got pretty windy, but 
Oh, we see the spotlight shining, uh, starting to shine on on Ludlow's shoulder there as the as the scene about is about to cut. Yeah, yeah. The way it sort of cuts up to um, Sarah in a minute, it's, it's you're probably um, guessing that it's their helicopter flying overhead. Mm-hmm. But um, there's one line here I noticed in the shooting script too that was between Ludlow and Roland back when they had the baby Rex um, tied up. And Roland, when, when Ludlow was asking Roland about his um, weapon, and Roland said it was his father's 600 Nitro Express, made in 1904, Caramongo Bell gave it to him after he took down his last elephant. 8,700 foot-pounds of striking force per barrel. <laughs> oh, I just wish we could it fire. That just added a little bit more story, <laughs> backstory to the gun. It was another, another famous African hunter's gun before... Roland's father got mm-hmm. it in the turn of the century, and now it was his, which uh, I'm guessing now would be going home and getting put up on the mantelpiece with uh, all his trophies. But we, uh, yeah, as we said, we cut up to um, supposedly that helicopter's flying overhead, and Sarah's looking through the window and sees something and sort of mouths, oh my god, and uh, the camera pulls back a bit, and we see the helicopter rig tilting left and right, <laughs> and the little smoke machine at the front um, puffing smoke past the mm-hmm. door. Clearly, clearly on a soundstage doing this, but uh, Sarah opens the door and um, that gets Nick and Ian's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a little goofy. It's a lot of a lot probably wouldn't pick up on it, but um, when the doors open, you can see all the little. They look like blue lights on the roof of the helicopter, mm-hmm. but they're actually clear clear viewing panels, so you can see up to the rotors. And that's just that just sort of shows that there's just a floodlight on top of the helicopter, lighting the rig but you can't see it on camera. Mm-hmm. But um, Ian, Ian and Nick join Sarah at the door and uh, look down, and we cut to the aerial shot of the Rex down in its restraints and uh, workmen yep. scurrying all over the place like mm-hmm. ants, um, torch, beams, torch beams swinging around everywhere. I'm not sure if it's the same set area as what as what um, we'll just down in with Ludlow and Rollins, because you can't really see the creek. It just looks like a flat a flat piece of dirt or earth. Yeah, but you can see the Rex footprints. I was just, as I was just about to say, you can see uh, one muddy footprint-looking um, spot that looks like it's been filled with water, and an, and another set of uh, footprint just uh, ne- just next to it on the other side of the guy. Yep. So they they must use the animatronic foot to stomp out some footprints again. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I suppose one thing we haven't touched on too is how the hell did they get the Rex onto the platform to then build the cage over it. That is a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing maybe slings on the helicopters to sort of roll it or something, but because we don't see it go to ground, obviously it'd, it'd sort of pass out and fall down and lie on its mm-hmm. side. Then it's got to try and be rolled upright and put on top of that platform so then it can <laughs> then build those restraints over the top of it. So Yeah. That is a good question. <laughs> uh, the one thing to notice, uh, this was actually pointed out by Philippe Humboldt, of the um, who helps out with the Behind the Gates Facebook page. You can see an animatronic tail, or not an animatronic tail, but a uh, prop tail section to the male T-Rex. If you look closely, you, you can barely make it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does it seem rather short, the tail? Yeah, it does. I mean, the whole thing seems kind of short, honestly. Hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, it looks almost like they built like the tail tip because if um, if we were to count the entire CGI animal, I mean, I, I mean the entire practical uh, um, animatronic of the animal, the back of the legs would come up to about the um, second bar there. Yeah. Yep. So the tail would go out at least another four or five feet. Hmm. Yeah, and then of course they got the tarp over it, so you can't really see see what's really going on under there. But yeah, it's like I mean, you can tell they're hiding hiding it a bit, you know. But then, if if we hadn't didn't have um, Roland and Ludlow sort of interacting with it there earlier, then this would be an easy CG. Yeah. Um, thing to do just to have the cg and you wouldn't have the tarp over it. you'd have the animal sitting there or laying there in its enclosure well that was actually the original plan they um originally they they made a maquette that they had uh that was re, uh, recycled uh from concept art by crash mccreary of uh, the rex lying on its side with his head down and originally the concept art showed its head on a rock it was based off of the raft scene from the book. Mm. So um, the Rex would have had the the Rex would have been laying off to its side with the head laying on there, and then of course they would have they also showed a um, I can't remember what those helicopters are called. Yeah, the Ericsson Skycrane. Yeah, the Skycranes. Uh, that would have airlifted it into the uh, caged there, where they would have welded it closed or not welded but chained it closed and then airlifted that to the ss venture yeah yeah and we had a we had a bit of a conversation with um lorenzo on the facebook page too just with that concept art how um it sort of showed the the harbor or the ss venture not too far away from where this was taking place and how that sort of um sort of lent itself towards the uh that first or one of the early uh maps of the island that coming out concept maps um, so that was a good little good little conversation we had over there, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we uh, cut back up to uh, Nick and Sarah and that looking out the window and sort of Ian's just looking down intensely, <laughs> staring mm-hmm. at it. Um, Nick looks at Sarah and Ian and sort of just turns around and goes back into the helicopter and sits down. He sort of he knows he's lost. He's uh, he's one liner before <laughs> has now been put back on him and. Uh, Yep. Yeah, and that's the last we see of Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what do you think happened to Nick? Everybody's got a theory. Well, about what happened to Nick. <laughs> that might come back up when we get to the SS Venture and when it uh, arrives in San Diego. But um, <laughs> I, I don't really know. I um, I don't really have any head head can or anything for what Nick would have been up to after the after it, whether. Uh, he took his check from Hammond and gone, well, that's, I've done the best I could, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Because it sort of, it leads itself into the next minute as well, where we get to San Diego, and it just seems like now, after X amount of time, Ian and Sarah sort of turning up to cause trouble, where why hadn't they turned up to Engine HQ earlier in the day, or as soon as they got back? Um, if they know the Tyrannosaur's on its way back, you'd think they'd be lobbying someone, mm-hmm. even Hammond, to uh, to do something before uh, before uh, before the ship got back, 
Because at that's at this point they don't know about the infant either. No, they don't. You're right. As far as we know, they're now flying over the island. They might have seen spotlights, work work lights, vehicles, or something back back towards where the uh, Trinosaur nest was. Um, guessing they would have flown that way and back over where the RV was camped to head back towards Costa Rica or towards the supply ship. So they would have retracked a lot of that ground flying over, but again, it's just something they passed over. So Nick B, Nick, you'd think he'd he'd hang around to uh, to help him out, continue that uh, that sabotage. But yeah, no, I don't really have an answer <laughs> or an idea. What about you? My theory was always that after they got back, Nick either took the money and run ran. Because he said that he checked, he cleared uh, Hammond's check before he left. Yeah, yep. So he already cashed that check. And I'm, we don't know how much money Hammond gave him. One could speculate it was a large sum, considering that uh, check, or I mean, that Hammond was kind of uh, saying he had to use a checkbook to get him there in the first place to convince him of what they're going to see. Hmm. Uh, my other theory would be that he was arrested when they landed by uh, uh, by the I don't know who they would contact over that or who would even believe him, but he was arrested that for involuntary manslaughter for uh, his actions on Isla Sorna sabotage <laughs> trespass. You know? Well, if Floodlow's going back by jet, he's going to get back to the mainland before anyone else. So. He could, um... Exactly, exactly. Well, we know that by the time that Malcolm get and Sarah get to uh, the press conference, Ludlow already set up a press conference in, like, at 3 a.m., or 2 or 3 a.m., by whatever time it was. He says the early hours in the morning. So he's had some time to call up people, you know, prepare for his... Mm. Yeah... Yeah, and we'll talk about it next minute when um, Ian and Sarah arrive and are interacting with the guard because that guard <laughs> sounds like he's dealt with them before. Yep. Like, he doesn't doesn't uh, give any leeway. He's just like, nope, <laughs> get out of here, get back in your car and turn around. <laughs> it's like, so, um, but we'll get to that next minute. Yeah, because I'm guessing the helicopter's going to the venture and that's how everyone's getting off or even another supply ship and getting off the island because a Healy's not going to fly from Isla Sauna to back to California. No. They don't have that range. Well, we'll talk about that next minute because they do change helicopters. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, I love how we cut back down to Ludlow here and um, as the helicopter's passing overhead and he starts to squint and uh, Journey to Island picks up again. We get that great score come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love in the background too, there's two workmen just standing there holding rifles, keeping guard. <laughs> Because um, he did say earlier he wanted to be done and out of here before the female knew where they were. It's, uh, it's good, but as we cut, almost perfect cut here of the end of that scene, into the next, the uh, yep. ends. Yeah, it's at 37-0 when we read at the cut. Yeah, yep. But um, briefly on the shooting script side of things, uh, after the helicopter flies off, we see the uh, captured Rex. It's sort of, everything happens much the same, but it's just, weird how or the continuing trend of it just sort of scenes being around or out of order um mm-hmm. which in editing they must have just chopped a few things around to uh make it a little bit better or a bit pace it a bit better because um 
we sort of we see all the stuff with Sarah and that flying over and Malcolm saying that they'd lost and then we get all the stuff on the ground with Rowan and Ludlow and and that but uh, one big difference here on the shooting script is uh, after the helicopter flies overhead and the survivors see the captured Rex we then cut down to the work site there's um, there's a workman there checking the Rex's sleeping eye and we um, and then we get the whole thing with Ludlow saying he wants a baby on the plane and take him straight to San Diego mm-hmm. RJ didn't make it all that stuff's almost identical as as Rowan walks towards the chopper a workman from the Rex shouts to Ludlow that the animal stopped breathing Ludlow races over concerned. The worker shows two darts stuck in the animal's neck, which I thought they would have been pulled out <laughs> by now. Um, yeah, I would have Yeah, yeah. But the uh, Indian worker continues. Um, he used two darts. This is concentrated confentanil. Confant- <laughs> I've got to be able to say that. Yeah, yeah um, If you give venom for more than 10 milligrams, you'll kill it. Which sort of Ludlow doesn't know what to do and asks the worker what to do, and um, the worker says you have to give it something to counteract the effect. Nurex, um, Nurexon, or something, uh, mm-hmm. and it's something to counteract the effect. Um, I think I'm not sure. Um, Ludlow asks him how much, and the worker says, "I don't know. I'm not a veter- veterinarian." And Ludlow sort of screams back at him, "The veterinarian is dead. And this thing is dying. How much do we give it?" And they sort of make a guess and give it five milligrams. Yeah, they sort of put the drug in the Trenosaur, which is completely cut from the film, and that sort of mm-hmm. um, gives us what we get later, where the thing's a locomotive now, because you sort of woke it up, or, or brought it back too fast from being tranquilized. I think part of the reason that that scene was cut was because you get similar dialogue uh, later in the movie, when they're kind of, when Sarah's like, well, what, what, why, why is it acting like this? And the guy says, well, Roland gave it, shot it with two darts, we had to give it concentrate carbonyl. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sort of makes up for it. Yeah. We just don't, we don't just don't get to see the fact that the um, Trenosaur stopped breathing. Because um, as they, um, in anticipation, as they inject it, for a moment nothing happens, and then the massive tarp in front of them um, starts to rise and, rise and lower slowly as the giant animal takes a breath. And the dirt, dirt in front mm-hmm. of its nostrils puff up into the air as it starts breathing normally again, um, and that's where we that's where we dissolve to the helicopter flying into San Diego. But yeah, as you said, it probably I haven't got to that part in the script yet, but it probably um it probably saves repeating later on at San Diego the fact that Rowan hit it with two darts and all that. Yeah. But as for the uh, pre-San Diego script, and uh, this week we'll finish the pre-San Diego script on Island at least. Yeah, this is about where it ends. Yeah, yep. Which was kind of the reason why Spielberg added the San Diego sequence in the first place, because he was like, okay, they've captured the Rex. Or, I mean, no, they didn't capture the Rex, but they were like, okay, so the Rex is down. What's going to happen next? Hmm. You know, they they couldn't just leave the string with Roland and the Rex, you know? They couldn't just, they couldn't leave it with uh, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, and we'll get to it more when we get to the San Diego stuff. A lot of a lot of people's complaints with the film is this sort of naturally feels where the film should end, um, and have the San Diego stuff as its own separate Jurassic Park three. But I think I think it works better the way it is now, without having a whole movie with the Rex running around San Diego. But um, we'll get to that in a couple of minutes' time. Yeah. As we ended last time, Sarah had been doing a thing on the boarding house roof and fallen down through the lab roof and uh, out into the mud. And uh, Ian had seen that Kelly wasn't with her and started to panic. He jumps down off the roof 
between the buildings and uh, lands in the mud with a fud and begins shouting Kelly's name. Sarah sprints up the main street towards the building that the chopper's parked on. Uh, Nick's mate there already going by roof and he's now calling and waving her on. Um, she reaches a fallen water tower that's beside the building and starts to climb up it. Uh, meanwhile, back in the street, Kelly's in the sh- under that bit of shed wreckage that's in the middle of the street where she was hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, something hits the side and she starts to cower in fear, but uh, the side lifts up and it's Malcolm. And um, we get that dad embrace, much like she did when uh, the trailer went over the cliff. But um, Sarah makes it to the roof and um, embraces Nick and she asks, where's Ian and Kelly? And then we cut back down the street and see them running towards the building with a raptor close behind giving chase. Mm-hmm. They reach the water tower first and begin to climb. Yeah, begin to climb up, and that's sort of getting them up towards the, uh, the roof where the helicopter is. But um, by this time, Ian's pretty much drained of strength and he's fallen further and further behind trying to climb up the structure. Kelly gets up to the top, but Ian slips and falls back down through the structure, hitting um, a few of the cross beams, and that as he goes down, then um, falls across another cross beam, breaking his rib, which. Taking a tumble down a steel structure, you, you're going to probably break a lot more a lot more bones than just a couple of ribs, but yeah, he lands across the bar anyway and sort of stays there on the, the, uh, the edge of consciousness. And uh, that's when Kelly jumps out and does her bar, her bar trick. It's not as elaborate as what we see in the film. She sort of just jumps out, swings a bit, and um, as the raptor goes to leap it in, she sort of lets go and swings and hits the side of it and just sends it off off the tower, not killing it, which I thought was um, interesting. It doesn't actually die in the script. It just sort of... We just see it sort of disappear off in the darkness as uh, it leaves the structure. Yeah. But then Kelly gets down there and sort of encourages him to get up and get moving again, and they get up to the roof. As they get on the roof and start running towards the helicopter, Ian sees another roof, uh, another raptor emerging on the opposite side of the roof from the helicopter and realises they won't make it. And... Um, just as the raptor's about to get to the helicopter, they hear a loud boom, booming sound, and uh, Roland's standing there on the roof with his 600 Nitro Express, one barrel smoking, and uh, shot the raptor. Yeah, which would have been massively awesome to have seen. You know, you mentioned how it would have been cool to have seen uh, Roland shoot the uh, shoot his rifle. Him shooting a raptor with it would have been massively awesome, and in fact, that scene was something... We used from a cut part of uh, a cut a concept of um, the first Jurassic Park, where uh, Hammond saves the day. Not or the T Rex isn't isn't the one that saves the day when the Raptor jumps at him, but rather it's Hammond who comes up uh, from behind out yeah, of nowhere yeah. and shoots the Raptor with a Spaz Twelve, hmm. and then they're like, he's like, "Come on, let's go, we're going." And then I, there's another concept that was recently revealed that um, the T-Rex was actually going to make a final appearance chasing the um, chasing the Jeep as it went uh, for the helipad. Yeah. yeah, there's concept art that's come out from um, Phil Tippett and that, especially recently, that um, mm-hmm. has a Tyrannosaur as they're taking off, grabbing the skid of the helicopter and one last-ditch attempt to get the, get the survivors before the skid sort of pulls away from the helicopter and it flies off which would have been interesting to see sort of that I'm surprised it's something that hasn't been included in the films yet of just a Tyrannosaur versus helicopter as they um, try to escape now <laughs> Fallen Kingdom aside we might see something there but 
it was semi-reused for uh, the Lost World. There was the um, as we're discussing now, the Pteranodons went after the helicopters, mm. and there was and in the um, storyboards for ILM, we saw that the um, hel- the Pteranodons ripped one of the skids off one of the helicopters. As but then left the helicopter alone for some reason. Yeah, yep. And that and some of the um, storyboard art was actually reused almost shot for shot in uh, Jurassic World. For example, the one of the Tyrannodon smashing its beak through the windshield of one yeah. helicopter and impaling what, the co-pilot in his seat was shot for shot the same uh, as one of the scenes in Jurassic yeah. World. Yeah, yep. When the when the um, Tyrannodons attack the Maserani's helicopter. Mm. Yeah, well, that's as we get to here. The um, there's no no time to celebrate. The um, helicopter starting to um, break through the roof of the structure they're on, and the pilots yelling, "Let's go, let's go!" Um, but as the chopper falls down, Kelly loses the balance and falls down through the thatched roof into the building. The nine foot falls broken up by piles of grass and leaves that are arranged inside the room. Um, and there's a yellow goo on her left hand, and she realises it's egg yolk. And uh, as she stands, or she stands, as a giant pteranodon unfolds its wings and emerges from the shadows, which sort of, as much, uh, or sort of mirrors the uh, pteranodon coming across the bridge in the fog or the smoke that we get in Jurassic Park 3 as well, mm-hmm. which yeah. would, would, have, would have been just a fantastic reveal of it sort of just coming out of the shadows, unfolding its massive wings. But um, that's where we're going to leave the pre-scene script for now. <laughs> Next minute, we'll uh, we'll get back with the Pteranodons and the Escape from the Island. Mm-hmm. But uh, anything else on that or 97 you want to talk about before we get heavy for the day? No, I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter at The Lost World Minute and Instagram The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.